Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah Shulton Kranz, a survivor, thriver, adventurer, and believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from handpicked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Live Boldly podcast with me, Sarah Shulton Kranz. Um, I got to tell you, my TED Talk is now out all on forgiving and how I actually believe that we need to change the definition of this terminology um, here in society. So please go take a look, go take a listen on my website, sarahshultonkranz.com. And also, as always, please reach out to me via social media. Give me your thoughts. Um, you know, say, hey, Tell me what you think. I always love to hear from every one of you. So today we have on this podcast an amazing woman, Lindsay from Alive and Awake. Lindsay happened to, um, she lives in Costa Rica. I found her via social media. And I got to tell you, this woman is freaking amazing. And I had the most amazing, incredible, powerful conversation with her. We happen to have gone to the exact same coaching school. She is a TED Talk speaker. She is a coach. She is a mama of four kids. She is an adventurer. Oh my gosh, what else? She's a businesswoman. She is a speaker. She is an author. She's a writer. She's all the things. So I invite you to go and take a listen She also is going to explain to you how it really is not that difficult. We put so many barriers in front of us to lead the life of adventure that we actually is, that's actually aligned with our our heart, our soul, our spirit. Hence why she is Lindsay from Alive and Awake. I want you to go take a listen. And again, once again, please reach out to me. Let me know your thoughts and grab your journal, grab your pen, grab your pencil, grab your favorite cup of drink, curl up and take a listen. And I am so excited. We've already been laughing so much on this short call. Um, I have Lindsay from Alive and Awake on my episode, and she went to CTI, as did I, and which is amazing, a coaching institute in Northern California. Girl, you're like my soul sister living in Costa Rica, which by the way, someday I will be, let's just say it, I will be one of your neighbors. Yes. We're doing coffee and green juice together. Oh. Like, it's totally <laughs> It's already happening. I can taste it. It's amazing. We're having the best time. I know. I, I've been following you on Instagram. I love all that you've been doing. You are a hell of an inspiration, by the way. Um, I, and I'm excited to get into this conversation and, and this juicy flow that we're going to have. I already know we are. Um, and I reached out to you and it's just like, I've been, cause I've been watching and following and you just did this amazing Ted talk. And literally as I'm on the, as we're here sitting here talking, the text comes through that mine's going to finally be released. Which is so, so exciting. Congratulations. So exciting. Thank you. I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled. So I'm just like stoked out to have you here. This is great. Thank so, you. Yeah. So let's talk about, let's like dive right into how did you land in Costa Rica? How did you land so, in Costa Rica? This is, um, 
this story is probably metaphorical for any major transition in life. So I'll tell the story and I'm sure your listeners will be able to pull pieces of it um, that will apply, whether it's, it's career transitions, relationship transitions, entire life transitions. I think a lot of times people get caught up in the idea that they need to like move to Costa Rica or make this like giant life shift. And I just wanted to to frame what I'm about to say in case people tune out and be like, well, that's never going to happen. That some of the key principles that, that got me to here are things that again, are totally applicable, whether it's like making a decision to get a new latte place or changing your entire life. It's some of the lessons I've learned and in hindsight, the journey that got me to here, I think are, is universal in many ways. So for me, how it happened was um, I was on a path where I had started in a very uh, corporate type A overachieving perfectionistic career path. And uh, through a number of events, I took a massive leap into the unknown, into my greatest terror, which at that time was to live without a plan and have no idea what was coming next. And just ended up stumbling on the whole field of coaching, which got me onto this path of self-discovery and inquiry. And um, as a part of that, realized that travel was a massive part of what makes me feel alive, what brings me passion, you know, connecting to different cultures, the novelty, being constantly on the edge of aliveness, I call it, when you're like a little out of your comfort zone or a lot out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. but that's where all the vitality comes. So we, uh, I've always been obsessed with adventure sports, skiing, wakeboarding, etc. And so my husband at the time and I, and our 11-month-old baby signed up for a surf camp to learn to surf. So still nursing my baby, came down here with my husband at the time, my brother, and three other single guys, my brother's best friends, one of my cousins, and uh, decided to learn to surf when I had an 11-month-old, because why not? Right. And I got down here, and this is actually, I'm laughing as I'm telling the story, because I forget how re- like insane I have been in my life. First child, I've never left her with anyone. I lived in Toronto by myself with not a lot of family, so I like didn't even have barely a nanny or anything. And we show up in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica, And I want to surf like twice a day for four hours. And I've got this 11 month old baby that I've never left with anyone that I'm nursing. So I was at one of thousands of crossroads in my life when it's like, I I can't do an either or it has to be a both and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have to stay in the inquiry of what does that look like? And I had no idea what that looked like. And that was a micro example, but it, it will extend into the the macro story. And so what I did was I just showed up. I just said, mm. yes, you know, Hunter S. Thompson, buy the ticket, take the ride. I bought the ticket, yeah. took the ride, showed up in the jungle. And this guy was running the surf camp. It was in kind of like a three-star hotel where like everybody, like, you know, six rooms and the whole thing, little motel. There was one payphone in town. There was no internet. There was no cell service. There were no physicians. It was like in the middle of nowhere at the end of a dirt road. And I'm here with my 11-month-old baby but determined that I'm going to be surfing and I'm going to like, you know, be, keep up with the boys, wow. which is another theme in my life of like keeping up with the, the boys and the adventure and, and, and not um, allowing any kind of um, life stage to define me and really kind of loving that, that the integration of the masculine, actually that's the typical classic yeah. example, the masculine and the feminine, masculine and feminine. Yep nursing a baby while getting out on a surfboard for four hours a day to like drop in and figure out how to surf. So 
that's a theme actually, as I'm saying it out loud, I've never thought of before that has shown up consistently across my life. Yeah. And, um, the way that I got here was in this, um, in this camp, I showed up and the guy running the camp was kind of, uh, let's call him eccentric to say the <laughs> least. I think highly drug addicted would also be another way of saying it. I know now in hindsight, I didn't know it at the time. I was like, oh, this guy's really chatty. That's interesting. But so needless to say, it wasn't the most like sort of like, you know, it wasn't some all-inclusive four-star, five-star thing where they're like, uh, you know, here are all the amenities. It was very fly by the seat of your pants. But he said, don't worry, the cleaning lady from the hotel will watch your baby while you surf. And I'm like, like not some nanny agency where everybody's been vetted. And it's like, so I met her and I just trusted my gut, which is the main theme of this whole story. Mm -hmm. And she was the most loving woman you have ever met in your entire life. She ended up having four sons. And so I reluctantly at first passed my baby over to her and she sat down in a hammock and she started rocking my baby and singing Mm -hmm. to her. And I came back like two or three hours later and she was still sitting there rocking my baby and singing to her. And at that moment, I just shed all the fear and all the kind of resistance that I Mm -hmm. had. And I surrendered into the flow of, of, you know, in quotation marks, having it all of, you know, getting to have your cake and eat it too, being a mom, getting to live my truth, my passion, et cetera. And so the most fascinating thing about that trip though, was that within about a half a day of being in this town from experiences like that, our surf instructors were epic. This town has this incredible vibe. It's got this vortex of physical energy, like from the earth that you feel it's, it's the entire sub um, just beneath the surface of the sand is all quartz. So mm. if you're any kind of, um, you know, geology or anything like that, that's considered to be a very kind of highly charged stone. And right. then it's, on top of that, it draws yogis, surfers, and people who are really open to consciousness. So within about a half a day of being here, I had this full, I don't even want to say body, I will say full being knowing that my soul had come home. And that I was meant to be in this town. And it made no logical sense. I'd never been to Costa Rica or had been, sorry, once with my sister, but I had no attachment to Costa Rica. And it was just a knowing. And that's the piece that I want for people to really take away from my story. Because, you know, fast forward 15 years now later, those moments of just knowing have without fail been the most important signs, signals, indications of what direction that I'm supposed to take. And of course, with all the thousands of people I've worked with, it's the same for everyone. Yeah. At the time, that was insane from a logical perspective, right? Like we were just starting right. out our careers. I was just building a coaching company. There, were, there was nobody here. Um, my husband at the time was starting, I think it, he was on to his second tech company. He, he ended up doing five consecutive tech companies. There is, was at the time, no tech scene in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica. So by all accounts, it was an insane dream and never going to happen if you just stayed in your logical left brain. But on the knowing of your intuition of what's meant for you, I just knew it was inevitable. And so having come from a year before, couple of years before we had traveled all around the world. We got an around the world ticket. We had gone scuba diving in some of the most epic locations. So I I knew travel and I had this gypsy soul that just wanted to explore, explore, explore. But in that knowing, it was again, the strangest thing. I thought I would just keep like going to all new places in the world. Instantly, any desire to keep seeking and keep searching and keep 
exploring just disappeared. And I just wanted to come back to this town and go deep, deep, deep into the experience of this town. So from that moment on, I did what I could. We had often many years, most years, no money to spend on travel. We were in startup phase. I was having had four babies in six years. I was in like hardcore mom mode and all of that. And so, but what I did was I scraped together whatever money I could to rent a house, usually the cheapest house I could get in town and ended up starting to come first for two weeks a year. And then my mom and I actually started to come for a month at a time when my babies were little and my husband couldn't come. This is another thing I hear a lot from people. Well, I could never do that. My husband's career doesn't allow it or my da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. That was definitely my case. My husband was in the middle of, like I said, he started five consecutive tech startups. He was VC finance. He had 150 employees. He's like, I'm not going to the beach in Costa Rica for maybe any time, never mind a month. And again, my soul was just driving me. So I, my mom was super excited and we're like the OGs, Thelma and Louise. We would just get on a plane and I would show up here with like nursing a baby and a toddler and everybody running. And I had to bring like play pens and car seats. It was a <laughs> show, but I just like, I joke about living the dream because we see all this stuff on Instagram now. Right. You know, I'm on the beach with my babies and they're naked. But what it looked like in those days was like schlepping a lot of stuff and crying babies and all the things through airports and, you know, all yeah. of that. But, um, but again, that knowing that this was an important thing, not only for me and my soul, but for my babies, because I wanted to imprint them at a young age with the, the experience of what this place offers, which is nature expansiveness, unstructured, free time, running naked on the beach, rooting together as a family. And then along with that, in my world was very deeply embedded in yoga and surfing and my own inner work that mm -hmm. I ended up always deep, deep diving into here, stripping away the noise of our crazy busy life in Toronto of like building businesses and startup world and, you know, North Toronto life and all the things. And it became this profoundly healing place for me and non-negotiable to the point where I actually, I started a PhD because I'm crazy and like, why not when you're why <laughs> not? stuff. And I was like, I feel like I could learn a lot from academics. So I went in and started it and I ended up having my third baby and I was on mat leave with my third baby from the PhD. And I was down here for one of those months. And I knew that if I continued with the PhD, I would not be able to take that amount of time and I wept on my last day down here in the jungle because I was at this yoga class and the woman's like, now think of what you're grateful for. And I had this knowing, another knowing that I couldn't complete the PhD because this time for me and my soul and my family was so important that no matter what my ego wanted me to do with this PhD and how you know, official it would look and important if I got you know, a PhD, that my soul was like the best learning education expansion you can possibly do is to be in this jungle. Again, yeah. not logical, not anything, but 100% the right thing for me to do. So I had to make a lot of career decisions. Ego versus soul is how I articulate yeah. it. Ego versus soul decisions. Then ultimately, uh, my husband, again, at the time sold his tech startup and we were, we had the flexibility to make a physical move still at that time. It was insane because I had no idea how I was going to educate my kids. I had no plan for that. But again, I just like bought the ticket, took the ride, showed up in the jungle 
And like literally academics are very important to me. And I had no plan for how I was going to be able, because we wanted to be more nomadic at that time. There's an amazing school here, but I was like, I can't sign them up for 10 months because we're nomadic. And this was, you know, five years ago now. So nomadic working and all that wasn't quite as common as it is now, certainly not with kids. Mm -hmm. And so always I've been kind of on the bleeding edge of pushing the boundaries of what you're supposed to do or what's, you know, been pat it's like I always think I'm like with the machete in the jungle just like carving the path and then I'm like come on guys there's something over here so I showed up in the jungle with four kids and no idea how anything was going to unfold and the second day we got here one of my friends who runs a surf camp in town she said I have this amazing friend who just sold her international school up in Tamarindo and she's an incredible teacher, but she's looking for a family to be a tutor for. Do you know any families who need tutoring for their kids? And I was just like, oh my gosh. It was like, of course. But the theme of this whole thing, both with my story about the, the babysitter, Maria, our beautiful nanny, the education of the kids, all letting go of the PhD that I thought my ego wanted is the whole theme is I think you have to show up and Correct. then the pieces start to fall into place. You cannot think your way into your dreams. You that cannot think your way into the giant leaps in your life. And anybody who thinks they can, I just want to like, you know, spoiler alert right now, there's no amount of analysis, research, mm-hmm. anything that you can possibly conversations with those that have done it before that is going to get you around the fact that you need to take the leap. And you need to trust that you're going to figure it out on the way down. And there, there is no other way about it as far as I'm concerned. Well, so I, can we, can we just like keep going from there? Because yeah. I, I, I a thousand percent agree with you and showing up also allows all of those other things to unfold, mm-hmm. right? It's already there for you. All mm-hmm. you need to do is show up. Mm-hmm. There is not, there is no amount of trying to figure it out that you can do because it's already there. Mm-hmm. You just simply need to, to, to show up to actually accept it. A hundred percent. To let it unfold in front of you. And that's the beauty of it. Like that to me, like soul open, that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. It's, that's amazing. Good and we, and you. Thank you. I want to just have sister. Oh my God. Thank I, I want to just caveat it with saying like, I'm saying this all with a grin on my face and in hindsight, and I'm like, just follow your soul and everything will unfold. But I want to just give a note of acknowledgement to fear mm-hmm. because I get asked this question all the time. Like, how do I overcome my fear? I'm afraid of leaping into the unknown. I'm afraid. And again, spoiler alert. The answer to that question is that you don't No. At every single step along that way, I was terrified. Like I can sit here and grin and tell you that it all worked out, but at every single juncture from, you know, traveling, starting businesses from scratch, we had many failures along the way and many things. And I, I, I want to be really transparent about the fact that the first time I pulled my kids from school for a month, I thought I was going to be shamed by the principal and the whole school system. That was a huge threshold for me to overcome. Uh, you know, again, showing up with no educational plan, terrified about now I've got teenage kids in the middle of the jungle. And I, you know, I had fears about what are the socially, what was that going to be like that they're going to be dating? Like, what is this whole thing? Who would their friends be? And, and again, these fears and these judgments and all these things that, that could stop us in our tracks. And, um, and it's like that idea of feel the fear and do it anyways. 
Yes. To think that you're going to also transmute the fear and just work it through. Again, false. You got to have the fear like you're a loyal companion on your shoulder and be like, come on, fear, we're going to Costa Rica or come on, fear, we're going to start that company. Come on, fear, we're going to make a move on that person we're interested in romantically. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth of where the aliveness comes from. And the vitality, though, is like, it's, if it was easy, there would be no adventure in it. There would be no flow state. You know, all this research on right. that's coming out now is that it's directly linked to the perceived fear of death, whether it's actual death from surfing or extreme skiing or extreme sports or death of the ego. Like you could right. just totally fail. That's how you get to your most potent, alive, awake, um, present state that allows the expansive thinking for creative solutions, for openness to ideas that you hadn't thought of before, to being so hyper-present to what you need to do in every moment that you actually start to figure things out probably in a much better and more effective way than if you just kind of dialed it in and went through the motions of life. So at every single moment for me, I was terrified and, uh, and that goes for every major transition I've ever done. Uh, anxiety, chronic anxiety was also a big part of my, my developmental life. And so I'm really good friends with anxiety and fear. And I've used, I've decided to, um, I've figured out ways to use that fear and that worry in more constructive ways and as fuel to just take action so that you don't sit and, and stew and ruminate for years. And yeah, well, that's interesting. I um, like to think of myself as dancing with fear. Mm-hmm. You know, I embrace it. It's like, oh, well, there you are again, right? Like I, I, I get scared. You know, people, people ask me all the time, like, aren't you afraid of stuff? Yeah, I, I, going on that TED Talk stage, um, can we just talk about that for one second? Mm-hmm. I mean, I had to stand there. I was like envisioning the white light between, you know, like flowing out of me and into like, I had all the things, all the meditations, all the things that, that were going to help me, my tools to get onto that stage. Mm-hmm. But holy moly, were you not a little bit terrified standing up there? That, that's so <laughs> funny. You bring up that example because that is one of the, like I've, stepped into a lot of fears in my day. So at this stage of my life, I'm kind of like, bring it. Like, what do you got for me? Because the thing I love about fear that I want to say before I talk about the TED is that I read this amazing book called The Confidence Code a few years ago. I don't know if you've read it, but about building confidence. And the relationship between fear and confidence is so fascinating. And I just had, because I had such anxiety, I developed a habit in my early 20s of doing do one thing a day that scares you. I did that very early. So when I say like I face most fears, like there's very, as soon as I sniff a fear, I seek it out and I immediately don't want it to have control over me, whether it's surfing, whether it's starting businesses, calling people, whatever, getting on a plane. And so, um, so the idea though of that book that I love is that we don't build confidence again by, by thinking things through or whatever we build confidence through action. Right. Into our fears. And it's only once we do the thing we are most terrified to do, as Eleanor Roosevelt said, you need to do Mm -hmm. the thing you think you cannot do. In hindsight and in retrospect, we develop confidence. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that research is that it doesn't even matter whether you succeed or fail, because if you fail, you learn that you can survive failure. But if you succeed, obviously you've conquered that thing or you've transcended it. And so it's funny you should talk about the TED Talk because I speak on stages all the time. That's my career. I love it. There's no greater for me, no greater connection to spirit than when I myself available to articulate like I'm doing right now. I won't remember a word I say on this podcast. (laughs) I just just sit down and I start talking 
asking and I just like, I'm like, I'm available, use me. And so that's how I speak. And I literally, I almost prepare nothing anymore. I get usually four or five key ideas, let's say even for like an hour long talk. And then I just get on stage and it comes. But as you know, with Ted, they make you rehearse. That's the, that I'm, you and I are exactly the same like, way. So I get there the night before and I kind of, I like, you know, generally what I'm going to say, you know, it's 12 minutes or whatever. And I've got my key points and all the things, but I get there and they're like all the lights and the cameras and I stand up there and I'm like, great, this is perfect. I'm like, where's the timer? All I needed was the timer. Cause I'm like, then if it's 10 minutes, I'll start to wind it down. Whatever I ha- happen to be channeling is going to like wind down. And they're like, would you like to rehearse? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm like, I'm just going to show up tomorrow. We're going to do our thing. And they're like, no, actually you need to rehearse. We need to see it. And I was like, Ooh! and I got this like terror because all of a sudden I was like, I have to go into performance mode and I need to memorize. And I got into like my perfectionistic part of my brain that I've been spending right. my whole life trying to overcome. And so I somehow made it through the rehearsal terrified. And then I used that fear. This is actually a great example because I went home to the hotel that night and I had been dealing with a lot in my personal life leading up to that. So busy, so crazy processing a lot of stuff. So I actually hadn't had a ton of time to prepare for the Ted talk, which is ironic and insane. Cause it was like the biggest deal of my whole career <laughs> as, as life happens. I was like, Oh, right. Ted talk tomorrow. Got to do it. But I used that fear and I stood in the hotel and I rehearsed probably 80 to hundred times that night. I was like over and over and over again. Cause I was like, I do not want to feel that same amount of fear when I get on that stage tomorrow morning. So that's an example of using the energy of fear right. towards practice, discipline, whatever it is, grit, whatever it is that you need to avoid the thing you're afraid of in my case, failing on a Ted stage. And then the, the most insane, ironic part of this story is the only thing I was truly afraid of at that point was that they wouldn't, the timer was the only thing I needed was like, I need to know. Cause once I start channeling, I have no idea how long it's been. So I just right. that marker. So I get on stage, I start doing my thing and I look around and it's, they've forgotten to put the timer out. <sighs> And I was like, wow, talk about manifesting your worst. Thanks, life. universe. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate, I appreciate that. that. that like, <laughs> like, as long as there's a timer, I'm fine. I'm going to be great. And so anyways, that's the, the story of my fears, that the only thing I was afraid of was the thing that happened. And it went, I have, again, had no idea what I said, but I went off stage and rewatched the little video and was like, okay, thank God. It was like slightly longer than it needed to be. But all in all, it was, it was amazing. But I learned a lot from that experience. So did they not have you, because with my TED Talk, it was like, we had to have the entire script down. We had to have it memorized to the T. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was paddling how, this is for all of you in memorization mode, anybody that needs to memorize anything, I don't know about you, but I didn't realize that memorizing in motion is so huge. Did you know about this? I did not know that, but it makes sense. I was standing the night before as I was doing it. I must have done it intuitively. So what did you do? You walked? Yeah. Isn't this interesting? So all of you listening, like I didn't, I didn't even know this was a thing. Um, Yeah. So I actually would go on the ocean, right? Because I'm a big paddler and I would paddle. And while I was paddling, I would recite it. And then anytime that I would have a, have like a, a mess up or whatever, I would just keep going, but I would go back to that. It was just this weird, like, whoa, I had no idea that this was an actual thing. And it worked mm. and it worked. <clears throat> so like walking and memorizing or um, for me, it was all about, I go to my special place, which is on the ocean, right? That's like my, my Zen spot. And so that's where I would, that's where I went. 
But yeah, and I would just paddle like miles and miles, and I would just keep doing it over and over and over again. That's so interesting you say that because I walk the beach most mornings and I used to be a huge runner until my knees decided they didn't like running anymore. But how I formulate now that you're saying that, um, when I do speak, I don't write it out. I don't get things, but I get sentences that come into my head and then they start and then it's two sentences and then it's three, but it's always when I'm walking. So that's interesting. And then it starts, I guess I'm sort of memorizing as I go, if I'm reflecting on it now and deconstructing what I'm doing. So it is the movement. And that's another, I want to just underline this point because I think this is huge. I think so many people, I work exclusively with like uber high achievers and, you know, elite leaders. And we think that being productive means sitting at our desks for like 14 hours a day. And I want to underline some of the themes that you and I both just alluded to Yep, in nature, moving our bodies research shows is the most effective way to both receive creative ideas and to fine tune and finesse. So I'm a huge advocate, which is part of the reason I work and live in Costa Rica and lead by example, as well as when I bring my retreat groups down here is to completely reframe what it means to be productive. And the the elements I already just mentioned, I'm going to mention them again, getting out in nature and moving our bodies and getting away from the distractions of technology, of phones, of computers. I know without a doubt and what research supports is how we become the most creative, productive, complex problem solving, and most engaged and enjoying our work the most. So invitation for everybody to get out on a paddleboard, go out or go to the park. Mm. Like I used to live in downtown Toronto and people like, oh yeah, that's nice for you. You live in Costa Rica. Like I used to run and in any major city, you can find trail systems, you know, Central Park in New York, there's always a waterfront area, a pond anything. Just get out in nature and move your body. And and as a practice, like every day, ideally in the morning, if you can starting your day like that, but even lunch meetings, walking meetings, get outside as much as possible and watch your productivity skyrocket. Skyrocket. I was on my paddleboard this morning. That's what I did. And you know, what's interesting. So with my retreat, because we go into the Grand Canyon and they're right on the edge of fear too. Mm -hmm. And so then you also get that piece of like, Ooh, can I do this? Mm-hmm. And as I'm doing this, I'm realizing I'm doing this. And oh my gosh, I'm doing this. And oh my gosh, I did that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then you get that whole magical piece too of, of that dancing with the fear, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I'm going to just throw this in there as well. I don't know about you, but fear, like for example, when I went and stood on that TED Talk stage, right. And I'm standing up there and it's just like, oh, this is Sarah Sheldon Kranz and talking about forgive and da da da. And then all of a sudden it turns into excitement. Where I was just like, whoa, I'm standing in front of over a thousand people having this, like sharing my idea, right? And and teaching and in this creative flow state where you know that you're touching lives because you see the guy to the right at the very bottom actually crying. And then you see somebody else to the left, like moving in their seat of like, I'm so uncomfortable, which then I'm like, ooh, this is awesome. I'm going to talk more to that person, right? And, and it's so interesting though, because that's where the excitement starts to show up too. And that's living. Like there's life and there's living. That's like freaking living. Totally. I love, I love everything you're saying. Every, I heard a quote once, I don't know who said it, but they said the difference between fear and excitement is breath. Mm, Like just taking that deep breath. Yeah. And I have a saying that I've used, as I said, I had chronic anxiety and I'd knots in my stomach all the time. And what I decided was to reframe fear as excitement. And I came up with this mantra, which is like, 
they're butterflies of excitement. So now I have this mantra of follow the butterflies. So when I feel scared, I'm like, there's excitement on the other. I'm excited because if I was not a little afraid, it would mean I'm just being complacent and not really trying something new. So I started to celebrate the fear as being butterflies of excitement, that there was some new threshold that I was about to cross. And so now that's, again, that do one thing a day that scares you is like follow the butterflies. If you're nervous to go on a trip, if you're nervous to start a business, if you're nervous to leave a relationship or start a relationship, step into that fear, lean into it and see what's on the other side. And another thing about what you said, which has been such a powerful mantra for me, specifically around public speaking, I know that's I think statistically people's number one fear, right? Right, right. I'm like, um, but anytime I've done anything vulnerable in terms of speaking or sharing or putting myself out there creatively is um, one time I was doing this national TV show when I was really early in my career, somehow ended up in front of this woman who was like the anchor for the national news show. And she was coming and doing a special thing on balance. And she was interviewing me and I was so scared and I had all stack of books. I was trying to like read up on everything before I'd just done all the CTI stuff. So I was like brushing up on all my leadership, you know, statistics and later literature. And they were coming in about 10 minutes and I, I was running down my stairs, getting my living room ready. They were interviewing in my house and I wiped out down the stairs, like feet in the air, books went flying. Yes. Yeah embarrassing. I was like, wow, that was really embarrassing. And I, in that moment, I got this like direct knowing in my ear of like, get over yourself. Stop Mm -hmm. trying to sound so smart and look so good on TV. This is not about you. This is about being of service. If even one person watching this show or this TED talk gets something from what you've said, that's a successful job. And if you have to look dumb, risk looking like a fool, that's what you're on the planet to do. And it changed everything for me, again, going from ego to soul, because it was no longer about me. And this, my whole life up till that point was about perfectionism, achievement, performance, accolades, all that stuff. And to completely like... Mm -hmm get over yourself. You're here to be of service, that idea of servant leadership. It takes the fear completely away. Because as you said, I was there as well in a TED talk and I asked a question in my first few sentences and the audience, I was kind of, it's kind of rhetorical, not really expecting, like the entire audience were like, yeah, I do feel that way. And the same as you, I get goosebumps just talking about it. I'm like, oh, I'm talking to humans here. This isn't cameras and lights and the TED institution and all this like ego stuff. I actually can profoundly impact this whole audience and who knows how many other people that are watching back home with some of these amazing insights that have been gifted to me from my life experience, my teachers, my research. And again, get over yourself. Even if I stumbled on a word or whatever, the essence of what we're sharing, if it's coming from a place of service, you, you can't fail. There's no going wrong in that intention. There's no going wrong. No. And that's, it's so interesting. Like the whole ripple effect thing, right? Like you touch a life and that, that life actually touches. I used to be a teacher. Right. And so like in, I'm, I was an art teacher, that creative sense. And that's how I've always lived is number one, don't tell a kindergartner that their little human needs to have a body or that the, that the legs can't go straight to the head. Right. Like, it's just, there's there, like, don't take the creativity out of life Mm -hmm. from little kindergartners all the way up because that's how we actually, that's innovation. Like that's mm-hmm. how we get new ideas. That's how we get, that's how we're doing this, mm-hmm. right? Like that's how we're doing this, even right now having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just, I just totally lost my flow right there. Uh, my, my train of thought of, I was so into that, into the whole kindergarten state. Um, but that's, it's so, 
I love what you're talking about though, because it's, that's, yeah. I mean, that's living. That's like the mm-hmm. whole, that's what it's and about. And that the ripple effect of, I heard somewhere that. The ripple effect, yeah. Like each, we, something like uh, one, each person on average impacts the lives of 80,000 people. Mm-hmm. You think of just one person getting. One person. Yeah. Then that potentially is that 80, but if more than one or whoever that, and maybe that person has an influence that's greater than 80,000, depending on where they are in their life and trajectory. So that's, yeah, I think that's why I, especially in our space of people getting all caught up in like followers and impact and it's like go big or go home. And and I've actually kind of recently come full circle back to my old school way of being, which my entire career up until about five years ago was completely behind closed doors. Like I had no social media. I could not tell anybody who my clients were. It was completely word of mouth, completely organic. I didn't do any marketing my entire career because I had as much work as I wanted and I could handle from just word of mouth referrals. Fast forward now to this insanity, in my opinion, of the whole like social, you know, and not to diss technology. I'm a huge hugely grateful. That's how I keep in touch with all my clients, all my people. It's how, how we're communicating right, right now. But I think that middle path between bigger is not always better. And actually, I want to really underline this because I'm sure many of your listeners are in that, that trajectory towards growing their businesses. And especially if they're in this type of transformational space, we get caught up in like the funnels and the numbers and the conversions and all these conversations. If you haven't heard of those yet, you will at some point. And I started getting sucked into it. And I was like, I don't actually want to be on social media 10 hours a day. I actually love human contact. And in just the last, like, I don't know, year or so I'm like I give like I'm gonna go back to old school phone calls with people and having like real relationships and I don't actually need to have 10 million followers if I have like a smaller number of people that I'm having a profound impact on their lives and they themselves are whatever they're up to in the world yeah infinitely more meaningful to me than just like you know flashing big numbers across the screen for me personally and everybody's got their different um you know, Dharma, their different life path and purpose. But for me, it was really a confidence in releasing what I thought I should be doing in growing my business to what actually felt true and real and right for where I'm at and what feels aligned with my values, my lifestyle, et cetera. Well, it's so, so here's the thing is that that's because you're a soul-based person. Like Mm -hmm. how we didn't end up in CTI class together at the same time, I don't know, but that would have been amazing. Um, you know, I, I believe so deeply in my soul actually being my guide. Mm-hmm. And that's where I have my heart and my soul is what that's what drives me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, through the years, I'm 46, right? And so I've also had to give up my whole thought process on per- perfectionism mm-hmm. because I've also lived through a lot. Like I've had, I've had like multiple traumas in my life mm-hmm. that let's just face it, like my poor brain can't it can't hold it all. Like I don't want it to have to because mm-hmm. that's right. So like, even when I do mess up, I was, if I, I didn't mess up on the Ted talk stage, but I knew that if something happened and I did that, I, that's me like, okay, oops, sorry, moving on. Right. Mm-hmm. I forget something yes. all the time. I forgot my word. Actually, we were just talking about with the ripple effect, right? I was like, shoot, totally. what did I just have up there? And it's, it's, we, we become so thrown into because of social media perfectionism. And this is how it needs to look like you even started this conversation, having the babies on the beach, right? Like I'm just, this is how it is. No, it's not like we're human beings. We make Mm -hmm. mistakes. 
Mm -hmm. So give yourself permission to actually be that person who actually is like, okay, I love me with my mistakes. Yes. With my imperfections, with all of that. Yes. I, I love it. One of my new mantras is like, I'm perfectly imperfect. Oh, yeah. celebrating oh, the perfect. Yes, celebrate that. All of it. And um, yeah, I, th- I think that perfectionism is like, I mean, I've, I've done enough research into it also. It's like deeply rooted in anxiety and all these other things around it. But I, I found, and I'm sure, I'm sure you have as well, is, is the irony is that the more real and raw and vulnerable we are, the more relatable we are. Mm-hmm. And ultimately people feel more connected and we become more quote unquote, potentially successful because we're able to be real and raw. And I've done a number of, you know, online programs and some of them I've had them scripted and perfect and da, 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 da. And I hate them by the time I'm done because I'm in total performance mode. I don't even look at them anymore versus most mornings I'm down on the beach walking and I get these crazy like downloads of things that I need to say. My hair's messy. I'm like haven't brushed my hair. I pull up my phone and it's always the perfect thing that I get tons of feedback. Thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. And I do want to also just acknowledge and name uh, along the lines of fear, vulnerability, transparency. One of my personal policies, and I just want to share it for people that are dancing with that idea of how much is too much to share and when to share and how to share, because yes, relatability is good. And I personally am aware of the fact that my energy is contagious. So Mm -hmm. I don't hop on the phone every time I'm like mad about something or at somebody and give a rant. I actually like do take it very um, seriously to do my inner processing work before I broadcast anything out. And I I think I heard. Elizabeth Gilbert was on a podcast with Brene Brown and they talked about when they share vulnerably and they said that they will, they each had a policy that they will never write about something that they're still in the midst of processing Mm. Wait until they've kind of gone through the initial reactivity of it. And then they might start writing and sharing it publicly. And I heard that and that really resonated for me. And another way I've heard it um, by somebody was that um, not to write from my wounding, but I write from my scars. Yeah. So for me, that's been a delicate balance because I, I value authenticity. I value speaking my truth. I don't want people to look at me and, and be like, oh, look at her. Her life's so perfect. Even though it's perfectly imperfect, my life is perfect. Everybody's no. life is perfect, obviously. One of my favorite expressions right. is all divine. Even when I'm in like a shit storm of like craziness, I'm like, well, it's perfect because I'm learning something, I'm sure, from this disaster. <laughs> I can't see it yet, but it's got to be perfect because it's all divine. So. <laughs> Um, so when I say perfect, that's what I mean, you know, the divinity of it all. But I, I just wanted to um, give that as a frame of reference for anybody who's, who's contemplating how much to share. You know, for example, you know, we don't want to say things publicly that may have, you know, the whole idea of ahims of nonviolence. Let's right. say we're ripping mad at somebody and we decide to get on, you know, social media and just spew our anger even just the energy of it, even if you don't say that person's name is, is contagious. We know that from your neurons. So for me, I have kind of like a a hygiene policy where I clear up my own energetic space through coaching, journaling, dancing, crying, hypnotherapy, you name it. I got like a whole team of people, you know, people on the red hotline. I'm like, I'm losing it. And then once I've really transmuted the initial reactivity of whatever it is, and sometimes it like it took me five years to transmute my last major arc. Sometimes it's a half a day or an hour or a minute. But I, as a policy, I really, um, I, I hold it sacred, the, the circle of influence we all have with how we communicate, what we communicate and the intention and energy behind 
what we share on social media and with what I think the intention is the key point to this, because as we know, you could say almost anything if you're saying it with hatred or resentment or anger or literally like you're fired coming from a loving place of knowing it's just not a fit and you really care for that human can become mm-hmm. one of the intimate connecting and expansive conversations you could have. So yeah, that's my little thought on, on vulnerability and social media. Yeah, I love it. That makes, that makes absolute sense. And I, um, I'm also, I thousand percent agree with you. I'm very careful on that of making sure that I've processed my own stuff. I mean, I'm in a lifetime of processing. <laughs> it's like, after, you know, yeah, high five on that one. Yeah. Like it's just, for me, it's a, it's a lifetime of processing. And I will go back to, that's also why I go on my paddleboard. Yes. And that's also why I go hike mountains. And that's also why I go walk the beach because yes. sitting in four walls and processing is very different than going out there and processing and allowing yourself to really think into your, again, my soul and my heart and be aligned with who I am and, and not just sit in the headspace of trying to process it from the, the, the mind. Yes. Because as we all know, like that just, that creates the circuitry that just continues the the story that just keeps wrapping in your head. Oh, you need yes, to let it I'm, drop and feel. Oh, I'm <laughs> like, am, I'm like, amening you all the way down here. Right? I'm like, oh, that, no. And that's, I think that's, again, I, I have deep reverence for, for our coaching work and all the things. And I spent like 15 years of my career doing the highly cognitive work of perspective shifting and all that sort of stuff. But the main reason that I brought myself, my family, and my work down to Costa Rica is exactly what you're talking about. Because for me, the most profound shifts of uh, transmutation as well as accessing creativity happened in physical movement. For me, it's a yoga practice was running first. And then I'm I'm deeply, deeply embedded in in the yogic practice. And it's always when I get onto my mat, when I get off my mat, I'm in an entirely different alchemical state. And again, whether it's deep processing work of trauma I'm going through or have been through, or just getting downloads about creative ideas and expressions, which is why I I realized that just especially the more brilliant people are, creative, strategic thinkers, and or they've done a ton of inner work, they can get really tricky with their minds. Like, oh, yeah, 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 I got it. But when you get them into, I get people on surfboards into awkward, you know, movement practices, things. So they're out of their comfort zones. That's when the vulnerability comes up. That's when the real talking about forgiveness, writing forgiveness letters, like don't just cognitively be like, well, I know they didn't mean it. So it's fine. No, like talk about it, feel it, write the letter, you know, feel the rage and then move your body and transmute and get in the ocean and whatever it is. So yeah, we're totally on the same, same wavelength about that. I think it's all good head, you know, body, mind, soul, all of it. All of it. You and I clearly went to that same coaching practice. Like we clearly went through the same one and it works. Like it, 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 that's to me, that's actually, um, so much more, uh, it's just profound. Like that's where you have your peace moments. That's where you have those, those downloads and the clarity that actually hit. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing. It's, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Is there anything else that you would like to share um, with our listeners about where you're at in your life? Or I am going to ask you one other question after this as well. Um, But is there anything else that you would like to share that you haven't touched on yet? Hmm. Well, I think that um, the general thing that that I'm just really obsessed with sharing is is the idea of, of transformational leadership and servant leadership is the thing that I'm most obsessed with. And so inviting people to really think of in every single thing that they're doing, 
uh, how they may be of service, not only to the world, but also to themselves. So that idea of being alive and awake for me is all about filling ourselves up with joy, passion, mm. play, receiving, rest, so that we can fulfill our purpose of servant leadership, give, share, create, et cetera. So uh, I'm just obsessed, whether it's in my coaching programs, my one-on-one work I do, private retreats down here or group retreats. It's just that idea of giving yourselves full permission to fill yourselves up with the paddleboarding, the surfing for Mm -hmm. me down here, whatever it is that helps you to overflow and truly be inspired, which is in its root in spirit, connected to spirit, whatever that means for you, nature, the divine God, source, universe, whatever, um, getting into those states that are, are often not uh, productive in quotation marks of like filling out a report or something. It often looks like sports, nature, human connection, sex, food, dancing, music, and really immersing yourselves in those things so that as you fill yourself up, give yourself the space and the rest to feel all the feelings, to release, to be in stillness. And from that place of overflow, going out and serving in the world uh, is going to really, I think, in the long run, create that positive spiral of uh, living along the lines of your purpose and servant leadership, while at the same time having a sustainable and constantly expanding and thriving life full of joy. That's beautiful. You said um, the word play in there. Love that. Thank you. That's actually one of my words um, for, for 2020 is play. And mm-hmm. I, I, it's so we take it out of our life and we need to put it in more. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting as little kids going back to that, like you're, you're creative and you play and you learn through play mm-hmm. and then we grow up and we forget, you know, I, I need to still play. Like that inner child is still within us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, um, that's how I live my life. The other thing that's interesting that you brought up, um, was talking about in like transformation and, and all of the, the, the healing pieces that I'm doing with my clients is also not forgetting that it can be fun. Oh, yes. Like yes. transformation and healing can be fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't always have to hurt people. Like we have this thought process because <laughs> that's working from that headspace of like, it's going to hurt. It's going to like, I actually have to look at that. It's going to hurt. I'm like, oh, yeah. like, man, this is going to be so much fun. Oh, I got some stuff to say about that. I have so much to say about that, but I won't say too much because I know we're in the end of our, close to our time. But Bring it. Uh, first of all, I want to share that I was so driven and hardcore and like clenched jaw, mouth guard. By the time I was like 24 years old, I left my consulting career that was like fast track, A track, everything. And I made a decision when I stepped off that path with no idea where I was going, that I would never work another day in my life. I was 24. Mm. I said, I will make loads of money doing whatever it is I do. Cause I know I'm super bright and talented, but I will never work another day in my life. I will get paid to have fun and do something that I would do for free. And I have to say, I have accomplished that. So the whole <laughs> idea of play, I'm all in on all of that. And, and the other thing mantra I have that I want to share is that life can be fun and easy if we let it be. Yes. We get so attached to struggle, especially if you've been an overachiever and an end. It's like, it's got to be hard. I have to earn it all. And especially in the growth space. And I don't want to under, underestimate the fact that sometimes processing feelings doesn't feel great. I'm not on I'm going to name mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But it's all, you know, the spirit with which we bring into, we find the funny, we can laugh at ourselves, do it in community, do it in tribe. We don't have to sit by ourselves. Like the second you call a girlfriend or a guy friend and be like, dude, I'm losing it. Like monkey mind happening. All of a sudden, instantly they, you bring the light to the darkness, bring it from, 
and, and, you know, millions of different tools. And one of my favorite tools that I'm obsessed with right now is just the deepest gratitude for the fact that I have the capacity to feel things deeply. Mm. So even again, when I am like shattered, literally on the floor, crying and grieving, I can still have a part of me that's like, this is kind of secretly delicious because I can feel things. Lots of people are like numbed out out there and they're living behind their masks or they're drinking two bottles of wine every night and they don't feel anything or they're just blocking themselves off. And again, I had just recently something I just went through and I was grieving and I was like, wow, how amazing that I have the capacity to love that deeply that when this thing didn't work out the way I wanted to, I I was able to, this amount of grief is only correlated to the amount I let my my heart open. And I'm like, what if I gave myself? that I, I can love that deeply to be able to grieve this much on the other side of it when it, when it's not the way you think it's going to go. Yeah. Our, our dog passed away on Christmas, um, which was devastating. And the level of grief that I allowed my kids to see come from me was I've never, I've never actually, I don't think they've ever seen me like that before. And um, at the same time, it was for me exactly as you're saying, like it was beautiful because it really showed right? Like this is, this is how I am. Like I love what I love. I am, I love love and I am all freaking in. Mm-hmm. And, and on the flip side of that, you're exactly right. Like through loss, you're going to be, it's crying in the bathtub. That's always me. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm like all in sitting in my bathtub crying and it's just messy and beautiful and snotty and crying tears and like everything. Don't hand him a tissue. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. The better. The better. The better. The better. Bring it. Totally. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much me. That's I'm with you. Me. I'm right there with you. Actually, today I was processing something and I was grocery shopping and I just cried my way through the grocery store. I was like, what? That's awesome. What are you going to do about it? I didn't care. <laughs> that was, it was amazing. Board this morning. <laughs> that's why I went out. I didn't see almost, I didn't really see anybody there, but I was like, I don't care if I do. I just feel like crying right now and it feels like the right time in the right place. So that's awesome. Well, what's funny with me this morning was I was actually processing a little bit of anger and a little bit of like loss and I paddled out and I got out there four miles offshore and I was like, how did I get out here so fast? And I realized the wind, it was actually pushing me out because we had an offshore wind and I didn't even, I didn't even pay attention. Right. It was just like, all of a sudden I get out there. I'm like, Whoa, what just, and all of a sudden I flipped around to come in and I'm like, Oh, I see what you're doing to me. I see what you're doing to me universe. Like, this is interesting. Cause I always know me processing anger is also me pushing against. Right. And like really having to dig deep. And so the whole time I was like, thank you in gratitude for pushing this wind because now I am like, I was working through some stuff. It was somatic. Oh yeah. Best. Oh, I love that example. That's my example of like using the fuel of any emotion, whether it's for creative mm-hmm. input to in your movement practices, whatever it is, but don't waste it because it will consume you if you don't handle it in a direct. I love that example you just gave. It's so, so genius. And I'm assuming that you probably do this too, then is your little tool of setting the attention intention before you do it. Mm -hmm. Right. So for my intention, before I went on the water this morning was like, Oh, okay, this is what I'm going to be. This is what I'm working through. This is my intention for being here. Mm -hmm. And it worked and it was great. And I'm happy. So there you go. I have a, I would say a more fluid balance between receptivity and setting intentions. But if I'm Mm. in the depths of processing something, 
often when I go to my yoga mat, I'll set the intention or surf, or even sometimes I just dive in the ocean. And I say, it's like a mini baptism for myself where I'm like, I'm not religious at all, but I, I kind of, I, I go and do a few mermaid dives under the waves. I'm like, I'm going to dive into this ocean. And when I get back out, I'm going to have released whatever it is that wouldn't energetically couldn't go from my body. So I set intentions as tiny as even a shower. Yeah. I'm going to go and wash this away in the shower. And then other times I'm a bit more um, in receptive mode if I'm not in the height of something that I really want to transmute. And that's when I might just say, I'm just going to have a beach walk and see what comes to me or see what nature has to teach me or, or the waves when I'm surfing or the, my yoga practice. Like what, what do you got for me today? Yoga practice. What do you got me for me today? Mother earth. You realize you and I can keep this conversation going <laughs> because that's exactly like when I have my clients set intentions before they go into the Canyon, I always tell them the Canyon may give you a different intention. So be ready to receive. I just wrote about this yesterday, chapter one in my book. Like literally, like the canyons, be ready, just be open and ready to receive because the intention that you're going in with may not actually be what that canyon is, is, is preparing for you to hold. And so, I, and so there, there you go. I say that about the jungle. When I people bring people down to the jungle, I'm like, you may not get what you want. You, you may will not get what you need. Exactly. This jungle will give you exactly what you need. If it's like insects or flat tires, you're going to get exactly <laughs> what you need for this moment in time. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So I'm going to ask you one more question um, before we actually have to end this, but I do want to have you on again, because this is so much fun. And when I come to Costa Rica, um, you and I are definitely going to be having some nice beach walks and green juice together. Can't wait. That's uh, amazing. Um, so what is your, um, what are you most excited about this year in 2020? Hmm. Oh, the rocket has launched. Hmm. That is the sentence that has been playing in my ear. I spent the last, I just posted about this on New Year's Day. I had about a five year deep dive as my marriage was ending and I was going through some very deep, profound um, healing, I would say, because I used the shattering of my marriage as an opportunity to go deep, deep, deep into inner child work, childhood stuff. Like I did not waste it. And so I spent five years in deep process of my own inner work. And I felt that arc start to shift about June when I ironically, I had a health scare, which kind of brought everything into clarity for me. And so this year, what I'm really excited about and deepest gratitude is that I can use all of that energy that was so profoundly um, germinated and, and created in, you know, people don't love doing shadow work and, and doing the inner work, but it's only because I spent the full time doing that work that it's like the compost material that now everything I'm in just yes. creation mode. So, but yes. I'm most excited. I could tell you, I have like, I have a, I wrote a book that's getting turned into a mini series for like, it's got producers. I have my business. I'm completely rebranding. I'm, I'm creating a conscious community down here in Costa Rica with physical spaces to live and work together. I have, you know, insanely crazy, wild, beautiful things on the go. But the meta theme is just gratitude for being, having the energy to create but also in that honoring the, the cycles, the seasons of life that I wouldn't appreciate my creative capacity. I might be complaining to you about like, it's so busy and I'm overwhelmed and it's da, 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 da. Yeah. But I had the contrast of having a long, deep time of winter, if we want to use the analogy of seasons. And so the contrast of doing the inner processing work, being with whatever trauma or life changes come into your life honoring the season of that, the grieving, the processing, the learning, the growing, the, the logistical reframing of what that looks like 
it's only by doing that that we can truly celebrate like what I'm in right now is like a spring summer season of just like I call it beautiful chaos of things yeah. like all the seeds I planted for four years are like all happening in one period of time, which which I'm like so freaking grateful about because I'm like, oh, I have all this energy. I can actually just create instead of just going and crying all afternoon like I did right. for like those other years. <laughs> You know, I'm on the phone with you having the best time ever instead of crying in my journal for the like 2000th time, you know? Oh my gosh. You and I literally have had like, this is, this is, this is hilarious. Like we literally, we have been our entire life, like, like literally, cause it's been six years for me. Right. And I am in the same way. It's like my words for this year and how I'm super stoked out about is create, play, receive. Like that's mm-hmm. it. It's mm-hmm. it. It's it. Like rocket has launched. I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said to my friend today, we've been on this, like my girlfriend and I, we've been jamming like constantly because things are coming so fast that I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm like, okay, then this just happened. This and like these awarenesses, external yes. stuff and internal. And I'm like, I literally feel like I just like buckled my seatbelt and I'm like hanging on to the rocket. <laughs> yes. I'm like, okay, universe, we got this. Let's do this. It's fascinating because things are just like getting ripped away that aren't in alignment with that that trajectory. So it's just well, been fascinating so far. And it's awesome because then we meet people that are right there with us, like you and I, mm-hmm. right? Like here, I, I'm like, like we've, we've known each other without knowing each other. Mm-hmm. That's what's so cool. And you meet the people that you've known, but you hadn't actually met yet. Mm-hmm. And so it's that plain and it's amazing. It's cool. Mm-hmm. And so cool. as a final kind of full circle moment, trusting your gut when you meet those people that you know, like I know when I know, and I don't question it. And I just like pursue, I don't pursue in like a a chasing way, but I honor those -hmm. relationships. And I'm also graciously releasing relationships and and just maybe letting them atrophy that just aren't resonating in the same ways that they used to. So that's Mm -hmm. such a beautiful, beautiful truth. That's beautiful. I just wrote that in a post actually last week or two weeks ago. I know, I know when I know when I know when I know when I know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, it's, it's taken me a while to get here, but here I am. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming on. And I look forward to that beach walk and really getting to know you even more in Costa Rica sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. And thank you for having me and for the incredible work you're doing on the planet. It takes a lot of courage and vulnerability and passion to get up and do what you're doing on the planet. So thank you so much on behalf of your audience and on behalf of all of humanity. And I'm so honored and humbled to be invited and included in your amazing mission. Well, and I I thank you for being here so much. You're just beautiful, beautiful spirit, beautiful, beautiful all the way around. Um, How can people find you? So I'm on Instagram at Lindsay Alive and my website is aliveandawake.com. Awesome. Wonderful. And I will put those into the show uh, notes as well, everybody. So you can go ahead and take a look down there. Could you also um, do us a favor and give us a link to your TED talk? Yes. So you can actually go and watch that as well, because I would it's love wonderful. It. It's wonderful. Especially since we were talking about it. It's great. So. Thank you so much. Thank I would love honey. to do that. And good luck with everything with your TED talk and all Thank the amazingness you. that you're creating yeah. in the world. I know it's to be continued. To be continued <laughs> is right. It's never goodbye. <laughs> All right. Thank you, hon. Take care. Friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I am grateful to have you here, and I would love to invite you over to sarahsheltoncrans.com to grab my free seven steps to a joy-filled life. I share these seven steps from my own heart, soul, and experience. These steps transformed my own life 
from victim to survivor. Also, please, let's all be ripple effective change in today's world. I ask of you to please share this podcast with others that may need to be inspired or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review, go to my Instagram or Facebook page, and let me know what you think. I love hearing from each and one of you. I love sharing your thoughts, messages, and inspiring words. Because we are not alone in this world, friends. Let's keep the ripple moving. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great remainder of your day.